You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. You have a Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 14. We're really beginning to be on the home stretch of the Gospel of John, so I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, there's one there in the pew in front of you. That is, if you don't own a Bible, take that with you. That is our gift as a church to you. We want, we have these Bibles to be sent out, and so we can always get more, so don't be shy about that. You can take that, and we'll be on page 589 in your pew Bible. If you would like to prefer to follow along with me, we'll be in the Christian Standard version of the Bible. So we journey into John chapter 14. Again, we're in the home stretch of the Gospel of John. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. Judas has gone out to betray Jesus and to sell Jesus out to the religious leaders of the day. And so here in John chapter 14, as we get into John chapter 15 in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be seeing that Jesus is teaching his disciples some important truths, some important truths. We saw that when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he taught them that you are in need of spiritual cleansing. And we saw that all of us as human beings, we're all in the same boat together, that we are in need of spiritual cleansing. We need to be cleaned up. Our lives need to be cleaned up, and only Jesus can do that. Then we saw that Jesus taught his disciples that the meaning behind the washing of the disciples' feet was more than just about teaching spiritual cleansing, but that also to be servants, that in the same way, Jesus said, that they are to serve one another, they are to love one another. So it was an example of servant leadership that Jesus laid out for his disciples. Last week, we um, and, and Daniel shared two weeks ago that Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is, is, is sharing with the disciples that he and the Father is, is one. And last week, we saw, we saw that Jesus is going to expound upon that. Jesus reiterated a little bit more that he and the Father were one, and that for us as believers, we must believe that, and that if we believe in Jesus, Jesus told his disciples that we can do even greater works than what he did. Now, we understand that Jesus isn't talking about the works like themselves as far as miracles, but Jesus is talking about the multiplication of the church. The church has been multiplying. The greatest indicator of church health is, is the church multiplying. And so Jesus talked about that, and that takes belief in Jesus. So Jesus went on and talked about that. Then we talked about that nothing good thing comes from us ourselves, but it comes from Jesus. That there's nothing that we can do that is good enough to earn favor with God, but it's only through our belief in Jesus that we don't have to be good. That it's belief in Jesus that does the work in our lives. So Jesus here in John chapter 14, he's giving some final instructions to his disciples. Just before his death, his burial, and his resurrection, Jesus is giving some final instructions to his disciples. He's teaching them. It's almost like Jesus is giving them a mini seminary class. He's teaching them some doctrine. He said, I, I and the Father are one. I'm God in the flesh. Believe in me and great works will happen through you. But now Jesus is going to go a step further with them. Because we have to remember that just in a few weeks, not like right now, but just in a few weeks, 
after his death and resurrection, they are going to be sent out to start the church. They're going to be there to multiply, to be uh, witnesses to all the nations. And so Jesus here in this chapter of John chapter 14, this section we're going to go, go through, Jesus is going to give them a promise. And this promise is that someone is going to be God's presence in their life, his presence in their lives. So turn to John chapter 14, again, 589 in your pew Bible. And we're going to start in verse 15, and it says this, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So what Jesus is doing here, Jesus has told them, I'm going to leave you. He told, them, he told that in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark. He told his disciples, I'm going to leave you. And this caused some anxiety in the disciples. They were not excited about this. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had given up their livelihoods. They had given up their, some, and some of, for some of them, their families. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. And so this idea of giving up everything to follow someone, and now this teacher, this rabbi that they've devoted their lives to, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is going to leave, it caused some separation anxiety. Anyone ever gone through that? Maybe some separation anxiety? I mean, you see it. Even if you drop a kid off in, your, in, your, in the nursery or in their, their, their children's class, on a Sunday morning, kids can ex experience separation anxiety. And that's kind of what the disciples are going through. They're having this, this fear of abandonment, this anxiety going on in them. But Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, no, the Father is sending the Holy Spirit. Jesus explains that this is a benefit. This is actually a benefit to his leaving the fact that it's going to be better that I leave because you're going to get a helper from the Father. Now, we need to talk about the Holy Spirit for just a minute. And sometimes if we've grown up in traditional religious circles, we get a little bit freaked out by the Holy Spirit, don't we? Like we're okay with God the Father, God the Father, creator of all things. Like we're, we're really okay with God the Father. We, we can, we, we'll hang out there for a while. We're okay with God the Father. We're okay with God the Son, Jesus Christ. We, we want to make him known. It's all about Christ. We're, we're comfortable with that. But when we start swimming in the pool with the Holy Spirit, we start to get a little bit uncomfortable. Some of us do. Some of us like really embrace it, right? And we, you know those, those, those folks, uh, our brothers and sisters that really embrace the Holy Spirit. And we get a little bit anxious maybe about the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit, sometimes we view the Holy Spirit as the uncle that shows up at Thanksgiving and gets a little bit crazy. You know, like we just don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. So we, the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. It's God. We understand that the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that they are all equally God. But as Francis Chan says, it's kind of the forgotten God. We kind of bury it. We don't like to talk about it, or we don't really focus on it a lot. So this morning, we need to talk about the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is fully God. He's not just some kind of tag-along or third wheel to the, the Godhead, but He's part of the Trinity. He is equally God. He is the presence 
of God in our life. He gives us life and lives in the Christian. So if the Holy Spirit accomplishes that role, we better have some kind of understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And so Jesus gives a really good word here to the disciples. And I think it helps us today to understand the role of the Holy Spirit or one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Jesus says God the Father is going to send another counselor, that the Holy Spirit is going to be a counselor. How many of you, now this is, don't, this is not to be embarrassed about, how many of you have ever gone to see a counselor before? Okay, I have. Yeah, many of us have. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing to do. Jesus here describes the Holy Spirit as a counselor. Well, what does, the, what does a counselor do? What does a counselor do? Right? The Bob Newhart show, right? What does a counselor do? You go in, you lay down on the couch, you get really comfortable, and you just pour your heart out to the counselor, right? That's kind of what I think of when, when you hear a counselor. What does a counselor do? It gives advice. A counselor guides. A counselor directs. So throughout Scripture, we see many examples of direct guidance from the Holy Spirit. We see that all over Acts, in the book of Acts. So the, the early church, they were gathered in a room, and Judas had committed suicide after he betrayed Jesus, and so they needed another, uh, another apostle. So what did they do? They cast lots, right? Now, that doesn't mean we're going to get our monopoly dice and start making decisions by casting lots. No, not, not at all. Why did they do that? Because the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. And the Holy Spirit guides and directs, and he leads us in prayer. So the Holy Spirit, one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, in your life and mine, one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is to guide and direct. How many of us this morning need guidance? I hope your hand is up. How many of you need directions? Okay, we do. Some of us men, when we drive, we're like, no, we don't need the directions. But we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you can almost think of the Holy Spirit as like a GPS for our souls. But we need to understand something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never guide or direct us to do something contrary to Scripture. Because Jesus says here in verse 17, He is the Spirit of truth. And that makes sense, right? because he's part of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son. He's truthful. He's honest. So he's the spirit of truth. So if we're in the position of our lives, like maybe we can get that, that feeling in our lives or something that we feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us to do something. Well, let me just tell us when we feel that way, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit, but we also we need to be careful about something. Because we need to be careful that we, make, that we make sure that we don't interpret our own gut reactions, our own emotions as the Holy Spirit, but that we think that, but what we think the Holy Spirit is telling us to do actually lines up with truth in Scripture and the character of God. So you might be saying, okay, Adam, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to do something. How do I know if that is not a gut reaction, it's not an emotion, it's not some bad pizza that I ate? How do I know? Well, first, align it with Scripture. 
See if the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something. Does it align with Scripture? Because 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It means that Scripture is breathed out by God, that it, it comes from God's very being. So the Holy Spirit would never tell us to do something that is contrary to Scripture. So if you have a feeling that the Holy Spirit is telling you to share the gospel with a coworker, that probably lines up with Scripture, doesn't it? Why? Because Jesus said, Matthew 28, go therefore make disciples of all nations. We see proof of, of being a gospel witness, of sharing Jesus all over Scripture. So if you feel a prodding of the Holy Spirit to tell someone about Jesus, that's probably the Holy Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit is telling you to rob a bank, that's probably not the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Scripture points very clearly that we shouldn't go rob a bank. Now, I know that's an extreme example, but the Holy Spirit is never going to tell us anything to do that is contrary to Scripture. The second thing to do, if we think the Holy Spirit is telling us to do, is find a mature believer to talk to. Now, with that, let me give you another word of caution, because I know my nature and I think we're all, we all do this. Sometimes we like to surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear. Don't we do that? I do that sometimes. That I've tried to find people that tell me what I want to hear. Find a mature believer that is trusted. Don't just go to anyone. Find a mature believer that has walked with God for years that there's evidences of the work of Christ in their lives, and talk to them about it. Not someone that's going to tell you what you want to hear, but someone that can confirm. Because the Holy Spirit is a counselor. He guides. He directs us. And so as Jesus is getting ready to send these disciples out to start his church to spread the gospel there in that region and really to the ends of the earth, they're going to need the Holy Spirit. They're going to need the Holy Spirit to tell them where to go. They're going to need the Holy Spirit to empower them for the work that Christ is telling them to, telling them to do. They're going to need the Holy Spirit. And faith family, as a collective body, as a corporate body of believers, we need the Holy Spirit. We as a church, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the Holy Spirit to empower us. Because what happens is when churches stop listening to the Holy Spirit and following the Spirit, or in some cases, ignoring the Spirit, the lifeblood of the church dies. Because the Holy Spirit is the power. And we must, the Holy Spirit, yes, is a counselor to us individually, but the Holy Spirit is a counselor to us corporately. And God is calling us as a church to big things. God is calling us as a church to be a multiplying church, to start other churches, to replant other churches. And that's a big job. That's an intimidating job. And we need the Holy Spirit for that. 
For many of us, it's for us to just get out of the way. We talked about that last week. To get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct. But we need the Holy Spirit as a counselor. Individually, we need the the Holy Spirit to be a counselor corporately for us as well. But let's keep going. Let's see what else Jesus says here. He says, verse 18, it's almost like here in verse 18, we see Jesus is sensing that separation anxiety that the disciples are having because Jesus says here in the first phrase, look at at it with me. He says, 18, I will leave you, I will not leave you, let me get that right, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Verse 21. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Now, there's a lot that we need to unpack here. We have a short amount of time. Jesus tells them, I'm coming to you. I will live. You will live too. And he says, you are in me. I am in you. I encourage you to circle, highlight, underline, whatever your preference is, verse 20. That is the love relationship that you and I enter at the time of salvation. As believers, this is what our relationship with God looks like. And if you are here this morning and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, I hope this relationship causes you to want this. That the Holy Spirit will use this in your life to motivate you to follow Jesus. Because here's what Jesus says, you will know that I am in the Father You are in me, and I am in you. That's the love relationship that the gospel offers. But this love relationship comes with conditions, doesn't it? Now, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, that's kind of manipulative. That's not unconditional love. I thought Jesus loves us, and so we can do whatever we want to do. Right? You, you can even say, you could even argue with me, Adam, you said last week that I don't have to be good, that I can do whatever I want to do. That's not true. We're not good. We don't earn favor with God because we're good, and we don't have to try, try to find the willpower to be good in our, in, in our own flesh because we have the Holy Spirit. But because we have the Holy Spirit and we're in this relationship, there are conditions. Because verse 21, it says, the one who has commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. See, every relationship we have, every earthly relationship, there are conditions to it. Sometimes there's this idea that, well, I don't want to follow Jesus because I'm not going to be happy and there are going to be all these rules for me to follow and there's going to be all these things that are going to be oppressive. There's this idea that Christianity is oppressive. Well, listen, there's not a human relationship that we are in without some kind of conditions, without some mutual loss of independence. That's what marriage is. Marriage is a mutual loss of independence. Jim and Ernie have made it work for 70 years. A mutual loss of independence. 
And we could, we could make a long list of how we just, in a marriage relationship, we can't do whatever we want. There are, there's a mutual loss of independence in my relationship and Marilyn's relationship to me. There are certain things we can and can't, we will not do. Why? Because we love each other. We're in love. We love each other. So there's a mutual loss of independence. And Jesus is saying, a proof of your love to me is keeping my word. That's the love relationship. Oftentimes throughout Scripture, we see many examples of this, that our relationship to Christ is compared to a marriage. Paul does that in Ephesians 5. We as the church, believers in Jesus Christ, we are called the bride of Christ. He gave himself up for us. So there's a mutual loss of independence there. Because we're in that love relationship. So as believers in Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean we get a free pass to live however we want to live. We receive the Holy Spirit to empower us, to change us, to live as Jesus lives. So that's why the Holy Spirit is so important. Because he helps us live how we're supposed to live. Let's keep going. Verse 22 in chapter 14, and then we're done. Judas, not Iscariot, and I appreciate John for clarifying that, right? Because like, I thought Judas left the scene here. But Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you, you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who, who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. How many of you hate tests? Like you hate exams? Like I hated that. Like I don't like exams. I don't like tests. I liked, I liked writing papers because I felt like in papers I could act like I knew what I was talking about. Like I could kind of, you know, formulate it and use some fancy words to make it like I sounded like. But with a test, you either know it or you don't. You just either know it or you don't. One of the intimidating, there's some things that can be intimidating about being a follower of Christ, but there's so much that it can feel like we need to know. There's so much here. I mean, can you imagine these disciples, these guys? Jesus has told them that he's going to leave them. Jesus has spent three plus years teaching them, showing them things, revealing who he is, and now he's getting ready to leave. And you can almost imagine what the disciples are thinking, like, how are we going to remember all of this? What can possibly, like, how, how are we going to make this work? But Jesus says, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything I have told you. Faith family, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. So this counselor that's provided for us in the Holy Spirit, not only guides and directs, but he teaches 
He teaches. Did you know that even right now, as we're walking through Scripture together as a faith family, the Holy Spirit is teaching? It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that takes the words here in Scripture and uses it to change us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of me. It's not anything that I could possibly say to convince you to live any differently. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He reminds us of everything that Christ has told us. And many times we just need to stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. Many of you know my kids. You see them oftentimes running around here, and that's okay. Kids need to run, and I appreciate it because it helps them sleep at home. And sometimes I have to tell, especially the boys, and Anna's getting this way now too because she's all over the place crawling and getting this stuff. Sometimes I have to tell my kids, and if you're a parent, you've done this. You tell them to stop and listen. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, because if we're honest, we all, each of us, we're in desperate need of a counselor, because we have a tendency to mess up. We are in desperate need of a counselor. And as we've seen here in John 14, the Holy Spirit has been provided to us to guide us, to direct us, to teach us, to remind us we need the Holy Spirit. But here's what happens. We get incredibly busy. Oh, we get busy. We get busy with good things, with family, with kids, with work, with routines, we get busy and we forget to stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus reminds his disciples here, he says, this counselor, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come straight from God the Father in my name, he's going to teach you. He's going to remind you of everything I have told you. Sometimes we need to stop and listen. I know with a group this size that there's the possibility that you're here this morning and you feel like your life is a wreck. That your life is a mess. And perhaps you're beginning to understand and have revealed to you that you need Jesus. You need a relationship with Jesus. You need that relationship that you can know that Jesus is in the Father, the, that you are in Jesus, and Jesus is in you. You need that love relationship with Christ. If you're feeling the Holy Spirit, and can I just encourage you, listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because as a believer, you receive a counselor, a teacher, a guider, a comforter, as Jesus describes it elsewhere in Scripture. So believe Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. If, we, if you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, if we are followers, followers of Jesus Christ, we must listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen, check that we are hearing from the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the Holy Spirit with Scripture. And allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us in our lives. To protect us from chaos, because the tendency is we run to chaos, and we self-destruct, but we need the Holy Spirit. We as a church 
We need that counselor. We need that guider. We need that director. We need that teacher. So as a faith family, let's listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's follow Christ and make him known to the ends of the earth. Pray with me. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being that counselor in our lives. And God, we recognize that we need counseling. We need that counselor. So Holy Spirit, I pray for all of us that are followers, that are believers in Jesus Christ, that are Christians. Holy Spirit, help us to listen to you. Reveal yourself to us. Show us your will for each of our individual lives. Holy Spirit, as a church, we pray that you would lead us, guide us as to what you're calling us to do. God, I pray if there's anyone here today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open your eyes to their need of salvation. Do the work in their lives. Show them their need of you. And then, Holy Spirit, I pray as we leave here in just a few minutes, I pray that you empower us to be your representatives to our community. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Music.